<laughs> so slapping the monkey. Conflict. I don't know if slapping the monkey really works. Um, reminds me of a, a guy who had a little conflict. He was going to join a monastery. Goes in to sign up, and he uh, had to take the vow of silence, you know. Couldn't say anything. The, the deal was you had to be quiet for a solid year. And only once a year do you get the chance at the end of that year to say two words. That's all you get. So at the end of this guy's first year, he goes into the main office of the monastery, and the guys are sitting there, and they say, what are your two words? I guess the idea is, you know, God speaks to you for a whole year, and then you have these two great words. His two words were, bad food. <laughs> they looked at each other, and okay, so he goes off, stays for another year, comes at the end of that second year. They say, Okay, you've been here for two years now, end of your second year. What are your two words? Hard bed. They look at each other again. Oh, not very encouraging, but all right. So he stays another year, comes in at the end of that year. What are your two words, they ask him. He says, I quit. One of the guys says, well, I'm not surprised at all. You haven't done anything but complain the whole time you've been here. <laughs> Well, that's to set up a true story that I experienced at a monastery. I met with this group of pastors in Atlanta. We met once a month, and we'd share a meal with each other and tell our war stories. And, and a few of these guys did these two- or three-day retreats at a monastery right outside of Atlanta. They'd go and stay and do whatever they did on their retreat. And uh, I went with a couple of them to, to the monastery. I wanted to see it. I didn't go for the whole time I went for two or three hours maybe and um, these men um, th there were about two dozen of the men that were at the monastery and they had taken this vow a, a few vows but like poverty and uh, celibacy and silence that was another one well they had uh, left their families they made these huge sacrifices you know more than any of us would think of making. They uh, left children, uh, or they, they left the possibility of having children, having a, a marriage, anything like that. They let go of dreams of fulfilling some kind of secular uh, career, and they devoted their lives to constant prayer and manual labor. And even though they had escaped many of the pressures and problems that we deal with here in the real world, there was one source of stress that they were not able to escape, even in their little community. The stress of conflict between one another. They couldn't get away from it. Now, the people I went with, the two guys, they were explaining a lot of things to me, so they filled me in on it, but after they did, I could actually see it, that there were some of these guys who got on each other's nerves. Totally quiet, totally silent. Some of the relationships between the brothers were strained over disagreements or job responsibilities, personal differences, failed expectations. Even though these men showed a radical commitment to God, and they were willing to sacrifice above and beyond the call of duty in order to serve him, they were not able to escape the reality of interpersonal conflict. It was amazing to me to see that. That's because it's a fact of life, right? It's a fact of life. If you live or work or associate with any 
people at all, in any way, shape, or form, you will experience conflict. Like I jokingly say every now and then, church would be great if it wasn't for people. <laughs> right? <laughs> the only way to escape conflict completely is to live in a desert all alone. So since we don't really have that as an option, most of us, we're much better off learning how to handle conflict that inevitably keeps showing up. Although friction is a given in relationships, it doesn't have to escalate to World War III every time two people disagree. There are ways to resolve it peacefully, ways to strengthen relationships rather than destroy them. Today we're going to look at some ways to handle interpersonal conflict in our lives. Solomon says this. Here's our main text for the day. Avoiding a fight brings honor to a man, but every foolish person is quick to argue. Isn't that true? Foolish people just quick to get in there and start arguing. Now notice it doesn't say that they should ignore the strife or the conflict. It says you should avoid it. If there's friction in a relationship, you have to deal with it. If you ignore it and think it's going to go away on its own, that's just not going to happen. You have to work to resolve it, even if that's trying to avoid it. There's some work involved. But you're much, much better off if you avoid the things that are happening before they come into problems. So since slapping the monkey won't work, I picked three ways that we can handle conflict. The first two will help us avoid conflict, and the last one will help us resolve it when we get there. All three will do this. Reduce our stress and enhance our relationships. So the first thing that will help us handle conflict is this. We've got to learn how to delay our reaction. I don't even use the word response. Reaction. We've got to delay that. When someone makes us mad, we have a tendency to want them to know about it right away, right? Somewhere along the line, we've been told that it isn't healthy to fume and fret and, and that we should get things off our chest immediately. We've been told holding it in only makes the problems worse. So we use that as an excuse and let the other guy have it the minute they do something that ticks us off. Now, if you're used to this strategy, if you've tried it before, you know it doesn't work when dealing with conflict. Doesn't work at all. Now, sure, you blow off some steam. You might even feel a little bit better immediately. But if you vent too much too soon, you often make more damage than you can repair. And more often than not, you end up looking foolish. Obviously, if you're having conflict with another person, you can't hold it in forever. I'm not suggesting that. But I am suggesting that when there's conflict in a relationship, you've got to delay your reaction long enough to assess the situation, look into it. Flying off the handle is easy, right? I mean, how easy is that? Flying off the handle. Flying back onto the handle, <laughs> that's a tricky maneuver. So I recommend that before you blow up in anger at someone, you give yourself some time to think things over. Solomon said, a fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. 
There have been a number of times my kids did something wrong or did something to hurt my feelings, and I had every right to be upset and to administer some form of correction. Every right to do that. But instead of taking a breath, I jumped right in with my emotions leading the way. Now, I may have doled out the appropriate warning or correction or whatever, but I did it with a horrible attitude. And I found myself having to go back to apologize for blowing my stack. Now, on the surface, that sounds like, well, okay, you handled it, you did the right thing. But think how confusing that could have been to my kids, especially when they were really little. And what were they thinking? Did Dad just apologize for punishing me? <laughs> Maybe I wasn't wrong after all. Maybe when I do something wrong, I should never be criticized. Ooh, see where that can go? Now, with God's help, I think I've had enough time to work through those things. But you see what I mean? Not delaying how I respond, how I react, not doing that can create worse problems, very bad problems. A delayed reaction will give you the time to evaluate the situation and help you determine if it's really worth even talking about. Sometimes it's not. Maybe after thinking it over, you realize that you were going to overreact anyway. Maybe you discover that you didn't have all the facts. Maybe you discover that things weren't the way they seemed to be. Maybe it's not bad at all. Waiting to react will give you the time to reflect and make those corrections. And maybe you won't have to apologize when everything's over. Solomon said, a quick-tempered man does foolish things. Wow, I've experienced that. A patient man, he says, has great understanding. But a quick-tempered man displays folly or foolishness. The first thing that will help you handle conflict is a delayed reaction. Think of it this way. If you have a problem with procrastination, all right, that's supposed to be a negative thing, maybe this is where that's a good deal. Kind of procrastinate your anger. Think of it that way. Delay flying off the handle until you've had some time to evaluate the situation. The second thing we can do to handle conflict is this. Say it gently and firmly. And you can do those things at the same time. You really can. Gently and firmly. The TV show 2020 aired a feature about parents who uh, yelled a lot at their kids, got angry, and they placed cameras in the homes of a few volunteers, left them there for weeks. So you got to see, you know, how they handle things 24 hours a day. One mom who was in this story, she had a style that could only be described with three words, loud and louder. <laughs> that was it for her. She would tell her children uh, things that she'd yell at them, just scream and yell at them. You know, they, they became so accustomed to that that they didn't even hear her. So she'd have to keep yelling louder and louder until they finally got the point. But since her words consisted mainly of, you know, attempts and threats that she didn't follow through with, they were never taken seriously. Those words were never taken seriously. If she had ever tried speaking at a normal volume, 
and then following up with her actions, she would have quickly discovered that the screaming isn't even necessary. When you're in conflict with another person, you don't have to put heat on your words in order to have impact. You only have to be willing to follow through with what you say. The problem is sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking that it's easier to intimidate someone with yelling and screaming than it is to actually deal with the problem at hand. We need to keep in mind what Solomon said. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Here's an interesting little tidbit from Dave Ramsey. He's the author of Financial Freedom. He said that the reason collection agencies use such abusive phone tactics is that most of the time it's the only option they have. Suing for a bad debt is rarely an option. Getting a court judgment is costly, time-consuming, frequently futile. It's often easier to call the debtor names and shame them into paying the bill. The more powerless the collections person is, the more abusive he becomes. I've seen the same thing to be true with managers, with coaches, parents, pastors, school teachers, anybody in a leadership position. The less weight your words carry, the more volume you have to put behind them. It's extremely difficult to, to resolve conflict if, if the words you're using don't carry any weight, if you don't follow through. Whenever you're attempting to resolve conflict with someone, say what you need to say gently and say it firmly. Don't call them names. Don't need to do that. Don't make threats. You know, threats are just something you're intending not to carry out. Just say what you mean, mean what you say. There's a woman, let's call her Susie, explained how her husband, we'll call him Bobby, dealt effectively with the source of conflict during the, the days of their early courtship. She was in the habit of being late. She was late all the time. Uh, she was uh, late on dates, especially, uh, like missing a dinner reservation. That was a common thing. Being the last to arrive at a party was an unusual for her. Stumbling through a dark theater, trying to find two seats together after the movie had long started, was a typical occurrence. Other boyfriends had complained about it, fought with her about it, but Bobby handled it differently. One Saturday evening, they made plans to see a movie. Bobby stopped by the theater to get the tickets because he knew it was going to be a sellout. And when he called her to tell her he had the tickets, he said this, I really don't like being late, especially when we're going to a movie. So if we cannot leave your house by 7.15 this evening, I'd rather stay at home and watch TV. Well, that evening came, and when she came down from the stairs at 7.40, 25 minutes late, she found Bobby in the den watching football with her father. I'm ready, she said. He looked at his watch and said, without a trace of irritation in his voice, 
I'm sorry, honey, but we'll never make it to the theater in time, so let's stay here and watch the ball game. She said, if we hurry, we can make it on time. Bobby shook his head and said again without any irritation, I don't think so, let's just watch the game instead. Susie says, and Bobby confirms this, that she was never late for a date again. She realized that when Bobby says something, he means it. He never fought with her about being late. He never told her how inconsiderate she was for not being ready on time. He just calmly explained to her that he didn't want to be late to the movie, and rather than being late, he'd rather spend time at home watching TV. She spent the whole evening hoping that she didn't ruin the chances of ever going out with Bobby again since she had caused him to miss the movie. I know some of you are thinking, well, gosh, I wish it were that easy for me. <laughs> the fact is, it can be. If you approach the matter by expressing yourself gently but firmly, often we take the opposite approach, don't we? We, we yell, and we scream, we get huffy, we make sarcastic remarks. That's my specialty, asked Terry. We remind them later what the problem is that they created. We make empty threats, and the result is we get nothing resolved. If you're having conflict with someone, say what you need to say. Make an effort to say it gently. You don't have to be mean about it. Make an effort to say it firmly. Don't make threats with ultimatums and things like that. Just tell the other person your perspective on the problem. Remember Solomon's words that we looked at last week. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Here's a third thing that will help us handling conflict. We need to strive for the solution. A fix. Think of the conflict that you're currently facing right now. Whoever it's with, think of it right now. Do you find yourself having the same argument again and again? Do you find yourself repeatedly telling someone or being told by someone that everything is wrong with the relationship and then nothing ever gets fixed? That's the course that too many marriages and friendships and parent-child relationships and work-related conflicts tend to take. People want to go on and on and on about the problem, but they don't want to move toward fixing with a solution. When someone is mad at me, I'm not nearly as interested in hearing what I've done wrong as I am in hearing what I can do to make things better. I already know what I did wrong. I probably knew it before you knew it. <laughs> I want to hear what can make it better. Now, obviously, discussing the problem is part of fixing it. You've got to do that. But if all you do is talk about the problem, nothing will ever get fixed. If you're in conflict with someone, it's because they're doing something you don't want them to do or you're doing something they don't want you to do. In order to resolve the conflict, one of you will have to change your behavior or the other will have to change the way they feel about the behavior. By the way, if you're in conflict with your boss, you pretty know who's going to have to do the changing, right? 
Now, bosses can change, but if we did a poll, you know what we'd find out. If you want to resolve the conflict in your life, you have to be willing to stop dwelling on the problem and begin focusing on a solution. A married couple, Dave and Kim, fought all the time about money. Dave spent irresponsibly, and it drove Kim crazy. When Dave finally changed his spending habits, he expected the fights to end, but they didn't. For months, Kim kept bringing up what Dave used to do. He had changed, but it wasn't enough. She was still mad about the past, and she wasn't quite ready to let go of it. Dave wanted to focus on the solution. Kim wanted to focus on the problem. Dave began to feel like no matter what he did, it wouldn't fix things out. He started to think maybe they'll never be able to get along again. If you want to resolve the conflict in your life, you have to be willing to let go of the conflict. Direct your attention to a solution. Some people are just so comfortable and familiar with the conflict, they just hang on to it. You've got to be willing to let go. Solomon said, a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms the quarrel, does something about it. Strive for a solution to conflict. You don't have to keep reminding the other person about what they did wrong. Once they have taken steps to make peace, you have to be willing to let it go. One evening when Kim reminded Dave that thanks to him they couldn't go on this nice vacation they wanted to do, he finally got a little bit more aggressive and he said, haven't we resolved this yet? He said, haven't I taken all the possible steps to make it right? Will you ever forgive me? Those words somehow got to Kim. Later she realized that the real problem in her marriage was her unwillingness to forgive Dave. She actually admitted that it, it gave her kind of an edge in the relationship made her feel superior to him because she was able to say he made all the mistakes in the marriage. And then she began to realize it was her making the biggest mistake of all by focusing on the problem rather than the solution. Spiritually mature people are not interested in keeping the conflict alive. They are, as Solomon said, more inclined to calm the quarrel, to avoid strife, to cover wrong whenever possible. If you're in conflict with someone, you cannot ignore the conflict. You have to deal with it. But you deal with it by striving for a solution, not by re revisiting the thing day after day after day. What's the conclusion for this message? Well, this is a piece of it. If you have a job with people, if you have a spouse, if you have children, if you have neighbors and friends, watch this one. If you go to church, you will have conflict. <laughs> Welcome to Cornerstone. <laughs> okay? You will have conflict in your life. But you don't have to work and live in a war zone. 
Slapping the monkey will not work. It doesn't work. You must either avoid or resolve the conflict in your life by approaching it with wisdom. Let's get smart. That means delay your reactions until you've had time to cool off and evaluate things. It means speaking your mind gently and firmly. Do what you say you're going to do. Do it gently. And it means striving for a solution. Let's try it. Let's try it and see if we don't experience more peace in our lives, less stress, and way better relationships. Let's ask God to help us. Let me pray as the band comes. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we have a lot of conflict. Sometimes we have conflict that's inside of us, an inner conflict with what we should do, shouldn't do, all those kind of conflicts. But the ones that really sting are the interpersonal relationship conflicts. Those that we're mad at somebody or we know they're mad at us or we're walking on eggshells, we don't look at each other in the eyes, whatever it is, God, would you help us with this one? We know you've given us all kinds of wise things to do and say and not do and not say, but we need your Holy Spirit to implant those nuggets of wisdom into our hearts so they come out. So when the conflict does happen, it's not anger that spews out, it's godly wisdom that spews out. So we pray for you to help us with that in Jesus' name. We say thank you to, to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, and to you, our Heavenly Father. Amen. 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 Hey, let's stand and sing one more, guys. What do you say?
Check out the nativity information in the lobby.